your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks podcast. We talk about all things Blackhawks, all things Red Wings, and just general news around the league. Hockey season is officially back. The offseason is over. Preseason is starting to wrap up as we speak. On tonight's schedule, we're going to be going basically over the Braden Point signing, the Matthew Kachuk signing, the Justin Falk trade slash sign, and then we're going to be talking about Adam Boquist for the Hawks organization being sent down. And then to round the episode out for tonight, we're going to be talking about the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, just what teams we think are playoff teams based on what we've seen out of preseason, off-season moves, just general team structure and what we think a playoff picture might look like. So with that being said, um, like I mentioned at the top of the uh, list of our topics for this evening, uh, preseason is officially underway for the NHL. We're a couple games out from the regular season now, closing in on that final week of games. Um, so let's, since we're a Hawks and a Wings podcast, let's go ahead and just look at what each team has done in the preseason and sort of work our way through what we think this means for the full season. So, David, me and you are Wings fans. Based on what you've seen from the preseason, what are your predictions for this roster? moving into the regular season? Um, so I think we're going to have a pretty young roster this year, especially with Cronwall retiring. Um, I think you're going to have our usual few guys do well, Double A, Larkin, Monfa. But I think with all the young guys and people moving around, they're not going to gel as well. Um, and I think maybe they'll pick up some steam towards the end of the season. But I'm going to say we don't make the playoffs um, I don't think we're last in our division, but I think we're near the bottom. So I think, at least for the Red Wings organization this year, it's going to be addition through subtraction, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> really, Realistically, you look at the Red Wings roster, and this time next season, the majority of the defense core is going to be gone. And during the season, there are going to be injuries that happen that players get called up for. And surprisingly enough, the Red Wings roster hasn't been bad in the preseason. They've been able to claw back into the games. They've taken several of the games to overtime. And I think the young core for Detroit that is on the roster right now is very good. And I think Detroit, based on the preseason, has some very good pieces in their pipeline. Um, The main thing that really stuck out to me is Joe Valeno looks like he's going to be a 2C no matter what happens for his development, he already looks to be able to be that sort of a player. Um, I think Evgeny Svechnikov needs a warm-up stint in the AHL, which I know some fans may not agree with, but just based on what I've seen, that's what I think. And I think Zadina is knocking on the door for an NHL spot. He seems to generate offense, just can't seem to find the back of the net yet. He, he can find the post. Can find the post. I mean, I really think he's on the cusp of making it, though. He's just, I think he's just got to put on a little weight and he's got to just get out of his head. I think he is an emotional player. I mean, we saw it when he was interviewed after 
dropping to us in sixth, saying he's going to fill all the other teams' nets with pucks. Like he was mad. So he's a very emotional player, and I think he needs to just channel it better. So then, David, him. you mentioned uh, him needing to put on weight. Do you think it would be a better course of action for him to get more AHL development time, or do you think he deserves to make opening night roster? I mean, like Jordan said, I think he's knocking on the door. I think there are pluses and minuses to him making opening night roster, and there's pluses and minuses to him starting in the AHL. In my opinion, I think I would start him in the AHL, let him build up some confidence, build up some muscle, and then when he's really grinding and we need people to come up for injuries, bring him up and just let him go. I know this is never going to happen, but you know what I realistically wish would happen? I wish the Wings organization would just send somebody who's on the roster right now down to Grand Rapids so we could start trying guys in the system. I I look at our forward pool, and I mean, we, we've bagged on him quite a bit, but I mean, when you have guys like Justin Applicator who realistically aren't long-term pieces for this organization, I mean, I know it's bad press. I know it's it's not a good look to send, you know, your assistant captain down, but... I think if the Red Wings are going to get serious about the rebuild, they have to put emotions off the side and just make smart decisions, which, I mean, you mentioned it, David, and I actually agree with you. I don't think Zadina should start the season in the A or in the NHL. I think he needs to start in the AHL with some better teammates who can help him get into a groove and put the size on. That's just personally what I think. I think Detroit's management needs to start moving these guys who aren't long-term pieces off so we can actually see whether this prospect pool is what we think it is or not. So you're basically just saying let the kids play, play, see what we have in the organization, and you know some of the veterans on the team who are not going to be around much longer, just you know, get rid of them, move them elsewhere to make room for the uh, the younger players. I guess sort of uh, Ottawa's kind of in that position right now. Yeah, just uh, have a youth revolution. Just out with the old and with the new. Let's let the kids do what they can do. We've seen that situation fail before, though, with Edmonton, where they all tried to call up their kids at one time, all their prize prospects and everything. Not saying that this would happen to the Wings. So, you know, obviously... That was just a bizarre scenario in Edmonton, but I feel like if you have all your young kids, and I mean, I know there's you're going to keep some veteran presence around, but bringing them all, all up at once, it could actually hurt their development just because like yeah. there's nobody there to coach them up, and I mean, not nobody, no veteran there to like show them the reins of what to do if they're struggling or whatnot. So, yeah, very true. But if you look at our roster, it's basically young people now. So. There's not a lot of veteran presence besides Philpola, Erickson, and Abdulkader, and Nielsen. That's and Howard, but yeah, the rest of our guys are just young. Taylor yes. Bertuzzi's young. Uh, Larkin's young. Mantha's young. Uh, assuming he stays on the roster, Tara Hirose's fairly young. Hirose's staying on the roster. That kid's got it. I mean, it seems like the NHL is trending towards a young, fast game. I think the days of these big slobber knocker, check everybody into the boards consistently days are over. Yeah, I think that part of the game is behind us now. Yeah, it's a fast and physical game now. I mean, the great example was the Blues and the Bruins. Obviously, we see it in the Stanley Cup Mm -hmm. final. They're fast, they can hit, they're aggressive, so... 
that's the new transition to the NHL now. That's why you guys need to watch that Goon movie. The second one's literally called Goon, The Last of the Enforcers. <laughs> oh, I've seen it. I've seen it quite a, quite a bit. There you go. <laughs> but, I mean, based on preseason, though, I think that's sort of what my takeaways have been based on what we've seen. Um, Nick and Kevin, based on what you guys have seen out of the Blackhawks for preseason, what are your guys' sort of takeaways? I, I liked what I've seen out of the Hawks. Um, their record doesn't show it, but I thought the Hawks actually looked pretty good despite uh, the losses on the ice. Uh, we've seen progressions between our prospects. Like Nylanders took a step up, it seems. Boquist looked great. Um, and but there was so and the veterans looked their self. I mean, Kuba. I've seen development between Kubalik and Nylan, or not Nylander, Debrinket and Strom. So that looks like one day it could be a potential line. So it was basically toying with, for the Blackhawks' perspective. It was basically toying with a bunch of lines to see what meshes, because there's gonna there's so many players on this roster that could go up and down the lineup. Like Andrew Shaw is one of those guys that could play on any line there is. And Kubli could be a second or third liner. And then Anton Vieden, Jeremy Carlton's been speaking highly of him. I liked his game with the penalty kill. So based off the preseason, I liked what I've seen. Um, There's a few shocking cuts. But other than that, there was I, I think uh, the Hawks are primed and ready to go for the season upcoming. Yeah, as Nick mentioned, there's a lot of possibilities for different line combinations that the Blackhawks can make this season. Unlike last year where it seemed like there just wasn't enough diversity to really do a whole lot with the lines, this year it seems like they can get really creative with how they set things up. So Jeremy Carlton's got a lot of options, and I think this preseason we've seen him toying with a lot of those different combinations and seeing what works so he's able to you know figure out which lines to deploy at any given moment. So I think that was really big for for Jeremy Calton and the rest of the coaching staff to kind of work out these little kinks in the preseason. Also, as Nick mentioned, the record, their preseason record doesn't look very good, but again, not too indicative of anything. I think a lot of the more kind of veteran players, you know, they're not going to go all out in the preseason games. I think we're going to definitely see them come become more alive once the regular season starts. But then for the guys that are actually <laughs> vying for roster spots, the players like Alex Nylander, those guys you saw work really hard um, so they could get a, uh, a roster spot um, opening night. And they're to base off that lines again that we were, we, me and Kevin have been talking about, it seems like Colleton's kind of teeter-tottering, teeter-tottering the idea of either playing Kane with Taves and Nylander or Kane with Stroman to break it because those are the those are the that's the been the big change for Kane. He's been playing like two lines this preseason, and one of them's Kane Stroman to break it, which I think most Hawks fans were wanting last year just because that line could be magical. Um, there's obviously the concern about are they going to be responsible enough on the defensive side of the aspect, but if Kane Taze, Kane Stroman to break it are the line that it, it's opens up a whole bunch of possibilities of what Taves could play with. Yeah, and it's just nice to even have those two options because you know last year it seemed like there only was one option for each line like it just didn't seem like there were too many possibilities to work with whereas this time around this season it looks like yeah there are going to be a lot of options for who Kane is going to get to play with and so you can kind of start to see um, which one is going to work best and uh, so I, I think it's a really good position for the Hawks to be in. And it's the first time since 2015 that this team's had depth. 
I mean, yeah. Uh, based off the players that are not on the roster this year, that are AHL guys, are not even in, in on an NHL team or signed overseas. There's combined there was like 400 games between the Blackhawks players that are no longer part of the organization, AHL, not even on a team or overseas. That those are 400 games that could be replaced by actual NHL NHL caliber players. And this year it looks like the Hawks have four competent lines going to the season. Yeah, last year they were icing out guys like Chris Kunitz, uh, Marcus Kruger, Andreas Martinson, Luke Johnson. Like some, They had some pretty abysmal lines they were sending out there. So now this year, every line, every player out on the ice, they're all NHL-level players. So it definitely is a much better roster that they're going to be working with this season. And, and Alexander Fortan, he, that dude yeah. played 28 games. I know, 20, it's crazy. 28 games, and now he's probably ninth, 10th on the depth chart to even get a call up. Like 10, yeah. player, 10 players have to get hurt for him to get to even play an NHL game. So, yeah, it's looking bright going into the season. I'm excited. I'm sure Kevin's excited. And every other Hawks fan out there is excited because uh, this is the first time we've really had something to be excited about since the 2017 season. I actually want to ask you guys' opinion on uh, two players in particular, uh, Nylander and Boquist. Now, the argument could obviously be made for Boquist that AHL time would be necessary for him just due to size development, speed development, etc. But Nylander, in my opinion, looked like he has the potential not necessarily to be, I would want to say a top six guy, but definitely a top nine guy. Do you think realistically that's where he stays through the season, or do you think he gets thrown as like a uh, almost as like a fourth line scoring line if that's how Chicago decides to try to roll out their lines? No, Nylander's definitely going to be a top six guy no matter what this season. Uh, I don't see them wasting much time throwing on the third or fourth line. There, he's what he's probably one of the most skilled forwards like. In his offensive zone, he's one of the most, more skilled players on the team with that raw offensive talent. There's some concerns about his defensive game and his lack of will to go after pucks in the defensive zone. That was kind of an example last night against the Capitals where he could have got a puck along the boards and decided not to go after it led to a Capitals goal. But he's going to be playing with elite players like Kane or Taves or Stroman to break it. So, yeah, he's not going to be – I don't think he'll even touch the third or fourth line. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we saw him in a bottom six role in the preseason at all. Like, I just don't think that's something that we're even considering. I think uh, for the regular season, I think they're going to try and marry Nylander to Taves and have those two um, glued to each other for the season. And then the question is going to be who's going to be the third player on that line, if it's going to be Kane or someone else. But I think – Taves and Nylander are going to be together on the top line for the year. Yeah, and and if you if you put, pair him with a guy like Taves or Kane, it's he's had that kind of reputation where he's they scouts say he's lazy or he's lack of focus or whatever it is to dip, knock on Nylander. If you pay, play him with a guy like Kane or Taves, they're gonna get on him. Like, those are the two of the hardest working guys in the NHL. And that's they're not going to accept Nylander just being lazy in the defensive zone or lollygagging on the ice. They're, if you pair him with the veterans like Kane and Taze, it's not going to happen. So that, that should get the best out of Alex Nylander. Yeah. And the other player I want to talk about was uh, Adam Boquist. I mean, he's been pretty hyped since you guys drafted him. Um, 
Do you think that he deserved to be sent back down to the AHL? Or do you think he should have gotten the chance to at least try a nine-game stint before the sundown? I think it was the best thing for him. He mm-hmm. wasn't – He wasn't uh, like he, all that offensive skill is there. We've seen it on display all preseason, all training camp, all prospect tournament. It's there. But his game need his defensive game needs some work. The AHL is a defensive minded league. Or, and that's where he's going to be going against guys that are capable of playing in the NHL. Well, mo- some guys are capable of playing in the NHL. But it's, it's a good time to develop his defensive game. Um, I would love to see him in Prague, but I think this is the best thing for him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it just makes sense to put Boatfist in, in Rockford, have him develop there. He still needs to refine his game. I don't think he's ready for the NHL yet. I think there is a chance for him midway through the season perhaps to get a call up and, and maybe get that nine-game stint later in the year. But he's not ready for opening night roster. I think it's the best decision for him to go to Rockford where you know he's going to have um, you know guys like Brian Campbell who's been coaching him over the past year. And as for on-ice mentors, uh, they brought in Philip Holm who looked really good in the preseason and as a guy that they can have kind of mentor him down in Rockford, I think uh, it's just the best place for, for him to develop. I was just kind of curious what your guys' opinions were on those two players. Um, does anybody have any closing remarks at all before we move out of the Hawks and Wings front and onto the rest of the league? Uh, yeah, just Kirby Doc. He's back on the ice. Uh, he's going to make the trip to Europe with the Blackhawks. I don't think he will be seeing the ice out there just because they want to take their time with him let him get healthy from that concussion he was suffering and and it looks like he's gonna get his nine games with the hawks his nine game tryout basically before they decide whether to send him down or not because i mean they could always use another two-way minded forward and uh, they want to see what they could get out of their third overall pick so yeah those nine games start whenever he touches the ice for the first time in the regular season so yeah this is we're not going to see him probably over in europe but when they get back to the states we'll see him yeah, it does kind of seem like David Camp is kind of keeping his seat warm in the three C position. Yeah, I they've been filling him because it's been Saad, Kubalik, and Camp. I don't think Camp's a certified third line center. I think there's better options. And so yeah, Doc's gonna. I feel like Doc's gonna replace Camp, play with Kubalik and Saad, see how they gel, and we'll go from there. We can go ahead and move on to the rest of the NHL now. Um, First, let's go out and go ahead and talk about the uh, signings that happened. So, Braden Point ends up signing a three-year, $6.75 million per deal. So, basically, I mean, this seems to sort of be the trend with these big names. I mean, you're bridging it and making a decent amount of money, which this isn't, I don't, I don't know if I would say making almost $7 million is a bridge deal. I mean, to me, bridge deals seem like more of like a $4 million deal. Um, but either way, I i mean, realistically, Braden Point is a great player. I don't think that him making this kind of money is unreasonable for what he brings to the table. And, I mean, he just seems to be able to impact games at a point where this contract doesn't seem bad for him. Your uh, guys' initial opinions on this contract? I think it's a fine deal. He's young. I mean, he's coming back from an injury, but... It's a three-year deal, and he's a valuable part to their team, so I can understand him making almost $7 million, but it's going to be a squeeze on their cap. But other than that, I think it's not bad. 
Yeah, I think it's a really great cap hit for them. I mean, Braden Point is coming off a 92-point season, 41 goals. So, I mean, very integral part of uh, Tampa's regular season success last year. Um, so, you know, a very important player for the roster, still very young, I think, like 23 years old, I think. So, Braden Point's a great player. I think he got under market value in terms of cap hit. Like, he could have been worth, like, a $9 million contract or whatever. But, of course, the term is short. So, in that regard, it's a bit unfortunate for Tampa because they didn't lock him up long term. But for now, like, I think it's a very good cap hit for the next three years. Oh, I think it's a steal of a deal. I mean, 6.75 for a guy like Kevin said, 92 points mm-hmm. at 23 years old. I mean, I know it's a three-year deal, and the third year is $9 million, so his qualifying offer will be a minimum of $9 million. Like you said, Jordan, we're seeing a trend with these three-year deals. But it's, it's a steal. Tampa Bay is building a dynamic roster, and they're getting guys for under market value. Like, it's not the first time we've seen it. Nikita Kucherov's only making nine and a half. Dude's worth probably twelve and a half million the way he performs. Steven Stamkos eight and a half. Going down the list, there it's and then Victor Hedman, who's probably one of the best demon in the league, seven point eight seven five. So Tampa continues to sign guys for these under market value deals, and I mean I know this, there's no state income tax in Florida. So it's kind of cheating. I mean, they're getting all the money, and it's just ridiculous. Tampa Bay is building this roster even better, and there's their cap is not – they're not in a terrible situation. So a steal of a deal for uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, And, you know, I, I think the reason we're seeing that with Tampa Bay is just because they have such a winning culture there on that team, and the players are just really buying into it. They want to be a part of the team's success. They do believe that they can win that Stanley Cup. And so they're willing to take cheaper contracts so they can stay with the team. You, uh, you mentioned the state income tech, Nick. That's a, that's a pretty important point. But I also think you're kind of right, Kevin. I mean, when you watch an organization who had a season like they did last year, what kind of player looks at that team and says, no, don't think I'm going to win here. Let's go somewhere else. Yeah, you'd be ridiculous to go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a winning culture too. I mean, we've seen like Boston's doing it too. They, they're yep. they're getting guys along that just want to win. They they're gonna make their money. They're not gonna ask for overboard. They're not gonna go overboard. They'll take those hometown discounts to win. They're making good money no matter what, but they're saving their team by being able to add pieces or keep the pieces that they have by taking these discounts and going after the one goal that every team has to start the season and to win the Stanley Cup. Anything to add, David? Well, I just, like, I agree. Their winning mentality, like, their team is stacked, and I think it's a big part with Iserman's involvement. So I'm just hoping he brings that to Detroit. <laughs> Since I uh, brought up the no state income tax, I want to run something by you while we're still on this Braden Point thing. Uh, so, for example, like, Marner, ba- off the taxes and everything in Toronto, he's only, after tax, he's only making about a million more than Braden Point once all the taxes are considered. So that's why he kind of has to sign for this big money in order to make relatively good money. So would you like to see, I know we talked about it, maybe one of our first episodes, like a s- reward teams for developing the, the guys they drafted and whatnot and implementing a soft cap. That way teams that are, ha- have heavy income tax like Chicago or Toronto or literally anywhere else 
besides Florida and Texas, would you like to see something like that implemented in the NHL during the next CBA? Oh, for sure. Say, so, I I definitely think there needs to be some sort of reward for a team for drafting well. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I, I ranted about this quite a bit when we talked about the Caps system and how it impacts teams, but if a team finds great players in the draft, you don't punish that team. You should reward that team, especially when they're late-round picks. It's just, Yeah, it's just the NHL claims they want it, like the salary caps to be a fair it's supposed to make everything fair but you got states like florida and texas i believe texas isn't has no state income tax but you got states like those and they're getting guys for these cheap i mean i'm not necessarily it's because of that reason but they could sign to cheaper deals because they're getting all of their money when they sign you know this is actually an interesting idea that i didn't really thought about before but how would you guys feel if in the next cba what they did was they essentially told teams, we're going to look at Florida having zero state income tax, and your team can go over to or go over the cap to an amount equal to whatever your state's income tax is. So like, let's say, I don't know, just for simple math, we'll say your state has 10% income tax. Your team can go 10% over the salary cap since that's what your state's taxes on income. That way, there is no tax advantage anymore. Uh, I mean, I'm not a math major. I'm still trying to do the math in my head. But, yeah, I mean, something along those lines. I mean, just to make it an even playing field because there's a lot of teams that go through the cap hell because they have to sign these guys to ridiculous deals to try to get them over there because their income tax is so high. I know it's kind of going into politics or whatever. I, that's not what the show's about. But it, it contributes to the NHL's team franchising success. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if I see it as being too much of uh, like I don't know if I I really see the uh, the income tax playing too much of a role in like a team's success. I mean, if you look at the teams, like look at all the the past Stanley Cup winners. There, you know, it's St. Louis and Washington. Like all these places have like pretty high income tax, right? Uh, yeah, generally. So you yeah, so the taxes like in Washington. It's not so much the based on success but just based on like free agency teams could sign i i don't know the negotiation side but they could say like, if you take three million in tampa you're getting three million no matter what if you take three million in chicago you're getting based off i mean after taxes i don't know maybe half of that so you're getting 1.5 realistically so i mean there, it, there's I'm sure some of it. Some players have made their decision off it. I'm not saying every player makes their decision off the income tax, but it, it's a possibility around the league. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm just looking at like the Stanley Cup winners of the past few years, and they're all in these markets where I don't think uh, that's really much of a, a factor. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. It is an interesting uh, point to make, though. And I mean, I have seen a product before, but definitely an interesting thing to talk about and think about for sure. If nothing else, my brain hurts now, though. Just think about that. <laughs> I, I don't even know how that would work, though. I mean, would your contract that you're making go up and down and you get traded? Because, like, different states have different income taxes. When you signed with one team, your tax was based, or your contract is based on the tax for that state. I mean, that's, I think that might be the only reason it might not work. But, I mean, overall, I think it's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, just like soft cap. Like, I, I think soft cap is a realistic thing we could see discussed in the next CBA, but until the, I think the deal goes for another three or four years now, we won't see discussions much about it yet. 
If nobody else has anything else to add on to the Braden Point discussion, we can move on to the next one. Uh, Matthew Kachuk ends up signing a three-year, $7 million per deal. So he's going to be sticking around for a couple more seasons. Um, basically, I think it's not a bad deal. I mean, he got, what was it, 77 points last year, and he was like a, what, plus 14? So, I mean, he puts up like about, what was it, 35 goals, 34 goals? So, I mean, he, he scores at a decent rate. He's still fairly young. I think he's 21 or 22, if I remember correctly. 21. So he's a young guy, puts up goals, great stats. I mean, plus minus isn't a tell-all stat, but being plus 14 I don't think is an accident by any means. And, I mean, his goals have only gone up as he's gotten older. So, I mean, you're going to be paying $7 million for a winger in his prime. I mean, I don't think this is bad at all, especially when no. you can score 30 goals. <laughs> No, I think it's a great deal. I mean, like you said, Jordan, his goals have gone up every year, and I think we could continue to see that happening. He, he could easily tuck 40 goals, no problem. And he's one of these rare breed NHL players that we see that are we're starting to see, like a Tom Wilson. I don't know, Kachuk's better than Tom Wilson, but he kind of plays the same game. He plays that physical game. Who also has this <laughs> offensive offensive talent. So it for being a heart and soul, one of the heart and souls of the. Uh, Calgary Flames. I think this is a great deal. Yeah, I, I love Matt Kachuk. He's one of my favorite players in the league right now. I just think he he kind of has like that that old school hockey uh, um, kind of grittiness to his game, but he also has the new school skill, and he's kind of got that perfect blend of the two. And I just find he's a very entertaining player to watch. So I I would get gladly pay seven million seven million a year to keep Matthew Kachuk. Again, unfortunately, it's uh, another one of these three-year deals. I think he's probably going to be one of those players that could end up bolting once he gets to free agency. I don't know if he sticks around in Calgary. We'll see what happens. But for the time being, a uh, great contract, I think. And it's another deal that ends his final year is $9 million, So the qualifying offer will be minimum $9 million. So, yeah, yep. his next his next. Uh, Matt's going to get paid. Yeah, his next He's going to get paid. It'll, it will be a big ticket for sure. <laughs> Does anybody else have anything else to talk about this? I mean, I think we all pretty much agree here. This is a good contract overall. Yeah, great deal. Great young player. It, it, his next contract, if they choose to keep him, which I don't see why they wouldn't, he's gonna they're going to pay him a lot more. But at least they get a three-year, a good deal for three years. I mean... I think Calgary looks like they could be a very strong team next season. I mean, we'll go ahead and talk about that later in the uh, the conference discussion. But I, overall, I think just about everybody here agrees. Great contract for a good player. And this isn't one of the contracts where you're going to look back and say, crap, that was a bad decision. Because based on projections and past stats, it doesn't look like it's going to age poorly. Not one bit. We can move on, I guess, to a more questionable signing, though. Uh we had a sign and trade situation with uh, Justin Falk. So Justin Falk ends up signing for what was it? I believe it was seven million. No, six point five million 6. for seven 5. years. Yeah. And then he gets traded to the Blues. So this is both a good and a terrible contract. Um, I'll let one of you guys weigh in on it first before I give my thoughts. So uh, David, why don't you go ahead and just start for us? What do you think? Um, I think. I don't know. It's it's a good deal. I mean, I don't see why they would give him up besides that there's no room for him because I think he's a great defenseman and I would have taken him here. Um, 
But yeah, I think he just made that team a lot stronger. <laughs> yeah, the Blues uh, already have a defensive unit, and they just made it a little bit better at it. Justin Falk, uh, the a lot of people. I, I was on Twitter, and a lot of people are the Blues fans seemed upset by the extension just because they think it's too much. I think Justin Falk's a great D man. You he's know, a, he's he, sorry, he's just a great veteran presence, and they already have that on their defense. And I don't know why people would be mad. I would kill to have that defensive core. Yeah, I mean, they got their defensive core is unbelievable. They got Pietrangelo, they got Pareko, they added Falk to the mix, they added, or they have Robert Pertuzzo. So they're they're great, and those are all right hand shots. So they're they're they got a ton of right handed shot, right handed defensemen on that team. I think this is not good if we're a Hawks fan. I mean, I'm not. It's not one of those things we're too worried about. But I mean, the Blues who already had a great defensive team, they just added another stud D man. Yeah, I mean. The Red Wings' best, or the, our number one defenseman is Mike freaking Green. I would kill to have just like one of the guys on St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a good deal and it's a bad deal. Um, hmm. And let me explain St. Louis absolutely gets better in the short term. He's another great defenseman for them. He's, I believe, 28, so he's not old yet. He hasn't really gotten hit super hard by father time. He's still producing at a decent pace. My problem with this contract is going to be in about four years when he either starts to slow down or St. Louis has had continual success and can't keep that team together anymore. That's when I think you're going to look at this deal and say, okay, he's probably getting overpaid at this point. But I think that point is probably four years down the road because that'll put him at 32 which still isn't terribly old, but it's not young either. True, but you're also seeing his cap hit isn't that high, and I feel like in the upcoming seasons, it's going to get higher and higher for teams. So I feel like, yeah, he's going to get older, but I think this is more good than bad, if I can steal from what you're saying with good and bad. I think it's, I'd say it's more like 75% good, 25% bad, in my opinion. That's, yeah. It's pretty fair. And in the trade aspect, I, I, maybe we should discuss it a little bit just because obviously the trade had to be involved. They, the Blues, they, they didn't get him for nothing. They traded a skilled young prospect, Dominic Bach. So I think he's just sick. He's a great forward. He's got a lot of potential. And Carolina's building up that forward core like we've seen them develop that D core over the years. So it was a good deal for Carolina as well. They got Joel Edmondson as well. And then I think a seventh-round pick next year. And they traded Falk in a fifth-round pick. So I think it was a all-around a fair trade for Justin Falk. Uh, yeah, I think the trade is kind of going to end up being contingent on Dominic Bach. Because if Dominic Bach ends up being, you know, like a top six forward, then this just looks like a great trade for Carolina because they moved out a guy that was never going to make their lineup. So if Dominic Bach turns into a top six forward, which in his draft year, you know, he looked like a really great sniper. I haven't been following Dominic Bach too much since he got drafted, but definitely in his draft year, uh, a really, he, I mean, he had a really great shot. So he, he looked like a really great sniper. Um, so as long as that kind of trajectory um, keeps going upward, then that's a guy who could be um, an integral, uh, like a very important pr uh, prospect for Carolina. But I, I kind of agree with Jordan more on this one. Like, I just think this is a move that works in the short term because you're getting a guy like Justin Falk, who he's like, what, 27 years old right now? Yeah. So he's like 27, 28. Yeah. 
So he's still good for now. And St. Louis, you know, obviously coming off the Stanley Cup win, they're still going to be in that window where they're going to try to stay competitive. But I think Justin Falk, like I don't, I don't want like a 30, 30 plus year old Justin Falk at 6.5 million on my roster. Like, I just don't think he's going to be able to hold up that well. I think he's a very good player offensively. Defensively, I don't think he's that great. So, yeah, I think it it, it works for them in the short term, but could backfire long term. We'll see what happens here. But I, I don't know. I'm not really crazy about it. But if you're if you're in a win now mode, like, I mean, the Blues are taking advantage of the window while it's open because mm-hmm. they got... It, it makes sense, like you said, for short term. Like, if, you, if it was a three-year deal, I'm sure everybody would be consensus that we love it unanimous that we love it yeah i could i could see yeah his defense is he's more of an offensive minded defenseman he's literally an offensive defenseman so his defensive game is a little sluggish but what he could bring to the ice he's like he's a difference maker for sure yeah the only other thing is like i do think it becomes an issue kind of split on this one but overall i mean i think i mean david you said it's going to be like a 75 25 type deal where perhaps like the first you know three-fourths of this contract would be good and that would put him around like the 32 age which that's when you really start to see guys decline unless you're nick lidstrom unless you're nick lidstrom but let's be fair justin falk is not nick lidstrom no not even close he's not nick lidstrom he's not chris chelios so i don't think he's gonna chris chelios you saw him degrade (laughs) yeah but i mean he was still fairly decent for a while I was waiting for Chelios to try and chase down and forward and just chuck his stick at him. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I think this deal will be good in the short term and probably at the back of it, it's probably going to look bad, but either way, I mean, St. Louis looks to stay good now. So good on them. If they're looking in their window for now, if they get another cup out of it, it's all worth it. That's the thing. I mean, Last year was their first chance to really get a feel for what it feels like to win that cup, and they got a taste. Maybe they want to try to get it again. I mean, maybe in two or three years they get another chance at the cup, and if Falk's part of that team, nobody's going to really care about that cap. They're going to be celebrating the that cup, so maybe it works out for them. Does anybody have anything else before we talk about the conferences? Oh, I, think I'm, uh, I think I'm good on that discussion. Tired of talking about the blues. We've done it so much in the last <laughs> few months, so I'm ready to move on whenever. All right. All right. So since the preseason's just about done, let's go ahead and just look at the Eastern and the Western conferences for a second. Um I guess what we could do is everybody could pick a team that they think is gonna either perform over what they're expected to do or is gonna or have done in the future or not in the future, are expected to do in the future, or a team who's going to surprise everybody and just completely miss out on expectations. Um, does that sound fine with everybody? Yeah, sounds good to me. And then what do you want? Do you want to go who we think is going to make the playoffs from each conference after we do our expect like surprise teams? Yeah, we could do that. All right. Yeah, so All you, right. Uh, you could start it off, Jordan, then. All right. Just a moment here. So... We'll go ahead and start with the Eastern Conference. Uh, the team that I think is actually going to surprise people the most from the Eastern Conference is going to be the New, Year's, uh, New Jersey Devils. Uh, they picked up a guy like P.K. Zuban. They picked up Jack Hughes. Um, they still have Taylor Hall. I mean, I don't think this team got any worse over the season. 
and I really can't see them missing the playoffs when they picked up a high-end defenseman. They picked up uh, what is often considered you know, a young stud center. I mean, I don't think the Devils are going to be any worse than they were last season, and they picked up some good talent this offseason through the draft and through trade slash sign. So I think the Devils will be the team that surprises people this season. The team that I think is going to have a surprise fall is probably going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's not because of their roster getting worse. It's just these contracts are putting them in more and more of a cap bind. They're going to have to start breaking apart the roster. And while it may not happen this season, I think just that team is going to be under so much pressure that it's going to eventually just mentally break some of their players down. I mean, they're realistically in win-now mode no matter what they do. And then uh, what are your eight teams from the Eastern Conference making the playoffs this year? So my eight from the East, um, obviously Boston and Tampa Bay are locks. I think the Penguins are probably going to make it. Uh, Devils, I think, will make it. And probably see the Canadians and the Rangers making it as well. I think the Rangers improved a decent amount over this offseason. They picked up Artemi Panarin. They picked up Capocacco. And yeah, I don't know if Capocacco is going to make the difference for them in the NHL. But I think Panarin will. I think that's a huge bolster to their offensive group. Yeah, and don't forget about Truba. Yeah, yeah and Truba, Truba as well. Adam Fox, they got they they added a bunch this offseason. Yeah. Yep. And also, I mean, I could see the cap. I mean, Capitals, they still have Ovechkin, they still have Backstrom, they still have got John Carlson, TJ Oshie, Evgeny Kuznetsov. Don't get me started on the Caps fans out here. They think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> but yeah, those are the teams that I really think are going to make it out of the East. So, what was your? So, can you just list them all? So, one more time. Sorry. I'm writing them down. I want. I'm writing them down so we could uh, compare at the end of the year. Oh boy! So uh, <laughs> I think Boston's going to make it. I think Montreal is going to make it. Uh, Tampa Bay Rangers, the Penguins, and the Capitals. All right. You want me to talk about the West? No, we'll we'll start with we'll go with East first. We'll go through the whole East, and then we'll switch over to the West. You can start with the West as well. Once we're through the East. All right, we can do that. All right, Kevin, who's your uh, surprise team and? Uh, your surprise successful team and your surprise failure team. And then eight teams make the playoffs for the Eastern. All right. Well, I mean, I hate to give the biased answer, but it does kind of seem like the Blackhawks are being slept on this season. I don't East. think East. Oh, East. East. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll save that one then for one Easy, sir. Don't be so eager. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I love talking about the Blackhawks. I just, I got a little taste. Huh. I would never have guessed. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there too. <laughs> Don't worry. All right. Okay. So then, surprise for the Eastern Conference. Hmm. Let's see. Um. I'll go with. Hmm. I think uh, maybe I'll go with the Florida Panthers. I think Florida was really close to making the playoffs, and they've made some additions, most notably Bobrovsky. So now they've got a more reliable goaltender to help them out in the regular season. So I think Florida is a team that, that could sneak into the playoffs. And obviously they have, you know, high-end guys like Huberdo and Barkov. So I think they could be a bit of a surprise. As for a team that might disappoint, um, 
Let's see. Team to disappoint. That one's tough. Um, not sure. I mean, maybe the Penguins. I don't know. I mean, we usually expect the Penguins to be a playoff contender every year, and they probably will be again, but I just don't know if I really see them having, like, a lot of success this year. I agree. And then your eight teams, Eastern Conference. (laughs) Eight teams. Okay. So I'm going to go with Boston and Tampa for sure are locks. Um, I'm going to say I think New Jersey makes it. I think Washington makes it. Um, Then I'll go with Rangers, uh, Hurricanes. Where am I at? I'm at seven right now. Believe so. So Boston, Tampa, New York Rangers, Carolina Hurricanes, Washington Capitals, New Jersey Devils, and then I'll go with Florida Panthers. All right. That's what I'll go with. Eh, don't hate them at all. Don't hate them at all. Because why not? Yeah. All right, Dave, all right. go ahead. All right, my team that surprises, um, I'm going to go with a team that's near Jordan's. I'm going with the New York Rangers. I think that team has immensely improved in the offseason, especially with adding Truba. Um, I think they had a struggle last year, but I think they turned it around, and I don't think they jumped to the top of the division, but I think they're going to be up there. Um, ah, my team, that falters. I'm going to go, I mean, I agree with Jordan. I think it's Tampa, or not Tampa, uh, Maple Leaf, Toronto. Um, I think there's some unrest in the team like with Marner and stuff like that that had been happening and I know Babcock's a great coach but I think that team falters a bit do they miss the playoffs I think he still gets them to squeak in but it's tough yeah oh yeah and And your eight playoff teams Eastern Conference all right Lightning in Boston Capitals Penguins um I think Maple Leafs squeak in and then Rangers, Devils, and Islanders. All right. Is that the fir- you're the first one to say the Islanders, right? It's neither yeah. of us said the Islanders yet. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The Trots effect right there. Yeah, yeah Trots I, effect. I, I, Islanders, yeah, they could be one of those teams that squeak in. I, I think it's possible, and I, we've seen them had a great year last year. So, yeah, that's I like that. All right. Uh, for my eight or my surprise team, I think it's going to be the Buffalo Sabres. I think they've had a great offseason. Uh, they acquired Colin Miller, Henry Yokoharu, Marcus Johansson, and others like that. I think they had a good young core already in place. They they had, they had were streaky last year, so they're my surprise. Good team. My team that falters, I think it's the Pittsburgh Penguins. I just think, you know, trading Kessel, who was above a point of game, or exactly a point of game, don't know his exact numbers last year. I think that hurts him a bit. He's for sure top six forward and a great goal scorer, and obviously. And I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that's easily replaceable. And then as for my eight teams that make it, I got Bruins, Lightning, Maple Leafs, Flyers, <laughs> Capitals, Rangers, and Panthers, Sabres. Yeah, so am I the only one that included the uh, Hurricanes making the playoffs? I think you are. Interesting. Yeah, I, li- I like the Hurricanes. I just, I don't know. If their their goalie situation scares me. So, yeah, it, that's the only thing that worries me. If they could just catch fire like they're like Mrazek and McElhaney did last year, then they could. But 
Yeah. Goalie situation is shaky, but I do think if you look at the offense and defense, there's a lot of depth there. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they got the they got the forwards and D man. It's just if they could if they could find a goalie that just catches fire throughout the season, then they they I could see that making it. But that was my biggest concern. Yeah, it's probably the biggest concern for them. I I, I agree, Nick. I mean, Mrazek he played in Detroit and he never really stole the starter position. And I don't know. He's a competent backup, but I don't think he's really starter caliber, and I don't see somebody who's in the goalie system for them who looks to be that guy. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree. Um, but, so uh, just, go ahead. I was just saying, so we just talked about the Eastern Conference. Does anybody have anything else they want to talk about before we move to the West? Nope. So, Kevin, you, uh, you already let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, I took my hand already. Which team do you think is going to surprise people from the Western Conference, sir? <laughs> uh, yeah, so as I gave away earlier, I think the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be a surprise team in the league this year. There seems to be, despite having an offseason where they made many additions to the team, it seems like they're still being counted out as a team that's not going to be in the playoff hunt. But I think they will. They've added Robin Leonard. It looks like Alex Nylander could have a, a breakout season. Dominic Kubalik. Um, they improved the blue line a bit with uh, additions like Ali Mada. So I think the Blackhawks are looking at a much stronger team this year. And last year they were a bubble team. They were very close to making the playoffs. So with all of the additions they've made this year, I don't see why they wouldn't. And I think certain teams in the Central are getting weaker. Like Winnipeg, I think, is going to have uh, a terrible year. So um, I, I think Chicago is going to have a, a chance to uh, jump up this season. It seems like you know a lot about the Chicago Blackhawks, man. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Yeah, what I don't a, know. What a homer. And, no. <laughs> Look He's at you man. loving your team. Uh, who does and uh, what's your uh, what's your biggest downfall team? Well, I did I did just say Winnipeg. Oh, um, <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, I, I just, I don't know if I'm going to, I guess I could pick Winnipeg as the pick. I just don't know if they're really seen as a team that are going to be competitive this year. Like, I feel like the consensus is that Winnipeg is not going to be good. So I don't know if that's really considered a surprise. So I am going to make this the ultimate Homer pick. And I'm going to say the blues have a disappointing <laughs> yes. season. Uh, and I, I, I say this because I think, the Blues are going to have a bit of a cup hangover. I think that I think the big thing is I think Bennington is not going to have a good season, and that is going to cause the Blues to falter. I couldn't love your choice more. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. then my eight. Yes, my eight to make the playoffs. All righty. Okay, this is going to be interesting. Let's see. So I'm going to say. Nashville makes it in. I'm gonna say Chicago makes it in, and then um, we're gonna say Colorado makes it, and let's say Dallas. Sorry, wait. Uh, sorry, not Dallas. Just give me a sec. Yeah. So yeah, Chicago, Colorado, Nashville, uh, Vegas, Calgary, San Jose going to go with Arizona and then for the eighth team I am going to pick mm, I'll say Vancouver oh 
Yeah, bit of a surprise pick. I'll say Vancouver. Interesting, interesting. So those are my eight. Um, how about you? Who do you think is going to be your impressing team? Me? You say me? Go ahead, David. Yeah, sorry, it cut out and you said you, so I didn't know who you are talking to. <laughs> um, <laughs> my most surprising team. I'm stuck between two. Um, screw it. I'm going to say Dallas. I think Dallas is a team that kind of surprises everyone this year. Um, I think with the players they have on their roster, with Ben, with Sagan, with Pavelski, Radulov, all those guys, I think they're poised to kind of shock people. I think they're going to make the playoffs for sure. This is an important question. Which Ben? Ben Bishop or Jamie Ben? <laughs> Both. <laughs> I mean, Ben Bishop, I think the only thing they're missing with him is they need um, a backup to help relieve some of that pressure on him. Yeah. And uh, who's the disappoint? The disappoint. Me. No. <laughs> <laughs> like a dark quick. <laughs> I'm going to say, oh, man. I'll go with the. I'll go with what Kevin was going to say. I'll go with the Jets. I think there's some turmoil there with Lane and some other stuff. I think they're going to fall from grace a bit. Interesting choice. And now, who's your eight? My eight. So let's go: Sharks, um, Blues, Predators. I think Calgary's doing well. Calgary. Um, I think Vegas comes back. Not as good as they were their first season, but I think they come back. Um, I think Colorado was my other surprise team, so I think they're going to be in. Um, Chicago, I think, squeaks in, too. I think they've made some improvements, and I think they could challenge that central division. And I don't know. I think even with the turmoil, I think the Jets possibly get a wild card spot, in my opinion. All right, all right. Nick, who's your, uh, your surprise? All right, well, homer pick, but the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, it's good pick. Yeah, I, I'm a homer. I don't care. Freaking dorks. Even after all the moves they made, they're still getting disrespected by the national media and all over the place. So, and I don't think like they improved their defense. They scored a ton of goals last year. So, I think we're still going to see them light the lamp a ton. And I, that defense has improved. Not to mention they got Robin Leonard as Corey Crawford's backup. So yeah, they got the best one-two punch in the league, and then so my so yeah, that's my surprise team. What not a surprise to me, but I guess the the national world, the Blackhawks. Um, as for the disappointing team, I'm gonna go with the Dallas Stars. I think the Stars, they got a great young defense. I know that, but I don't know. I mean, they they had issues with was it like their finance officer last year calling out Sagan and Ben? I, I, I'm not sure who it was, but it's some president of something. I think it was the president or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Just yeah, some guy that works in a cubicle. Yeah. In the yeah. yeah. The ticket sales guy. No. But, uh, yeah. I think the stars, I don't know. I don't know. If ben Bishop could, is going to put up another dynamic year like he did last year. And there's, Joe Pavelski. I'm not sure if he's going to be what Joe Pavelski was on the Sharks. just because he had that chemistry with all of his teammates in San Jose. So I'm not sure if they're getting that Joe Pavelski and then Corey Perry's a big hit or miss. So yeah, I don't think the stars are going to be what everybody's hyping them up to be. And then as for my eight teams, I'll go Predators, Predators, Sharks, Vegas, Blackhawks, Avalanche, mm, Flames, Coyotes, and uh, uh, man, <laughs> the eight teams are 
I'm Edmonton. I'll go Edmonton. Edmonton squeaks in. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll go ahead and round out the Western discussion. Um, the team that I think is going to see the most, I guess, improvement, um, I actually think it's going to be the Edmonton Oilers. I think Connor McDavid is sick of being out of the playoffs. I think Leon Dry, Drysaddle is sick of being out of the playoffs. I think those two are just going to try to find a way to force that team into the playoffs, kicking and screaming, even if they have to drag them there. Um, but in terms of disappointing, I think actually Vegas is going to disappoint this year. And it's not because their roster got you know significantly worse. It's just, I don't know, I have this feeling that eventually they're going to come down to earth and get some sort of like deep injury that's actually going to make a difference in their season because they haven't really had one the past two seasons. And then in terms of my eight that I think are going to make the playoffs, I think it's going to be the Stars, the Preds, the Blues, the Hawks, and the Oil, the Sharks, the Flames, and the Ducks. Really? You think the Ducks are going to squeak in? I think the Ducks will squeak in this year. Oh, just because they, yeah, I don't know. Because they had a really terrible season last year. And I'm not sure they've done enough to get better. I agree. I don't think they've done a lot to get better, but I think last year was a bit of an anomaly for them. I don't think they stay that bad. I mean, they still have Getzlaff. They still have Gibson. Yeah. I mean, the pieces are there for a decent team. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be my eight. Um, do you have anything else they want to add before we round out the episode? Should we, uh, just for fun, who do you think is going to win the lottery? Uh, who's getting number one? Detroit. <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to pull a Chicago and jump up a thousand spots. <laughs> going to put this out there. Every year that the lottery has been in place, Detroit has gotten screwed. So it's our turn to not get screwed. Who? Where's Gary Bettman so I can give him a good old reach around to get that? <laughs> oh. The quick 20. I'll, uh, I'll predict Ottawa gets first overall. And I'll go with... Yeah, I... I'm going to say, yeah, Ottawa. Ottawa's a garbage truck on fire. That's not fair. It's going to be Ottawa. It's not fair. Why Ottawa? Why do all the garbage teams get the number ones overall? (laughs) Why can't we give it to a team that decides not to be a complete trash heap? Jordan, I guess Eisenman just has to turn us into a dumpster fire, and then we'll get a first pick. I think Detroit gets uh, a top three pick, but I don't think they get first overall. Detroit got the first overall. I think that'd be the first overall we've had, I think, since the 60s. Wow. Last time. Hold on. Last time Detroit had first pick NHL. I honestly think it was the 60s. I mean, yeah, you hit. What'd you make? To playoffs 24 straight years? You could count those out. <laughs> so we'll just take this year and subtract 25. <laughs> Actually, no, subtract 27 because right. we didn't get ZD or Cider first overall. I am not seeing. Get it uh, after Steve Eisenman got drafted either. Which what year did he get drafted? Was it eighty three? Nineteen sixty four. Nineteen sixty four. Claude uh, Gauthier. All right. So yeah, it, it's literally been since the sixties. Throw us a bone, Gary. Come on. Seventy one. Really be that much this. to ask. Seventy one. We got the second pick. Um, just trying to see if there's any. Seventy seven. We got the first pick too with Dale McCourt. All right. So the seventies. Either way, Ritz. Been a ridiculous amount of time, so eighty six, yeah. Joe Murphy. Uh, so you guys think is gonna win? Well, they picked What's Ottawa. The... Both Ottawa. of you guys picked Ottawa? Yeah, we yeah. both picked Ottawa. Yeah, they like uh, dumpster fires. <laughs> they pick Ottawa and then they pick their team to 
be the most surprising, which I'm not going to debate them on it, but still. We'll, we'll, t- we'll talk again in April. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see who's right. I can't believe the Detroit Red Wings are going to win the President's Trophy. <laughs> hey, let's, let's come back down to earth. Oh, sorry. I was playing NHL 20. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, but I think that's pretty much going to wrap up our schedule for tonight's episode. Um, if nobody has anything else to add, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to this podcast. It's fun getting together for us to record every week and just put something out for you guys and talk about the teams and the league in general. Um, however you found this podcast, feel free to give us a like, a share, a follow, whatever the social currency is where you found us. Um, particularly on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. It helps out a lot. I don't know why I can't explain it. Just ask Apple. But five-star ratings on iTunes help a ton if that's how you found us. Um, If you ever want to get in contact with the podcast, you can always contact the podcast either through email or Twitter. The podcast's Twitter handle is at StickBladePod. That's all one word. Again, at stick blade pod and then if you want to contact us through email the email address is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com and again all one word no underscores or anything like that uh feel free to send us fan mail uh questions you want us to answer on the show topics whatever you want us to talk about we love engaging with you guys we've gotten a couple fan questions and it's kind of fun for us to have something to think about and talk about that we didn't necessarily plan on doing um, so if you want to get in contact with us, feel free to do it. We'd love to have you guys chatting with us. And with that being said, that's been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. You all have a wonderful evening. Go Hawks and go Wings. <laughs>